This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right. Welcome back to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Jalen and uh we're glad that listeners you guys are on listening to our podcast and hanging out with us but jalen how have you been what have you been up to yeah good to see you john as always uh you know we're recording at a time when we've just uh, kind of wrapped up easter and i think it's probably a few weeks for our listeners now after easter but you know easter was as always it's busy for us as pastors right there's a lot going on there's uh, a lot of extra demands and things that we're doing and so, you know, for us, I think it was, it was for me personally, it was, it was actually really refreshing to focus in this way, to um, make space to remember why we're doing all this work. And I think the Lord was really gracious in helping me to take the time to think about why I'm doing what I'm doing and to focus on what we're doing for what purpose and how we're turning the hearts of our people in the right direction. And so that was really helpful for me personally. And then for our Good Friday service, we had one of our leaders plan out our Good Friday service, and he's done it in the past before. And so we're kind of excited to, to kind of go through that process with him. And so I got a chance to, instead of, you know, preaching or something like that, I got to just lead some music and do some scripture reading, which was really fun. And I don't get a lot of opportunities to lead music or lead worship, um, you know, for our entire congregation. And so that was something that I got to do, and it was fun. And you know, I, I, I do miss, you know, those opportunities where I can think through like a worship set, think through like how to put something together, think through a theme. And um, so, yeah, it, it was really cool to do that in addition to, you know, just connecting my heart to why we're doing what we're doing and, and focusing on really the joy of Easter and resurrection. So, yeah, it was, it was a good Easter for us. So, yeah, how, how are you doing? How, how are things going with you? I'm doing well, you know, for, for me, Easter was also good. It was my second Easter here, um, in, with the church in San Jose. And, um, the first last year, my first Easter here, we were still mostly online. And so I felt like it was so different this year. Um, felt like I, I just, it was good to be able to worship together, um, in our sanctuary for our good Friday service. And we did a big outdoor, um, whole church celebration, uh, on, on Easter Sunday. And like you, I also um, led worship and did some scripture reading for our Good Friday service. And, uh, but unlike you, that is very much in the wheelhouse of things I have to do on a regular basis. Um, but it was just as enjoyable. And uh, it was good just to, I think, to remember uh, and, and to, uh, yeah, maybe good is not the right word. Uh, but it was appropriate, I think, to, to really remember and reflect on the death of, of Christ. And um, not wanting to skip too quickly ahead to to the celebration of Sunday, but to kind of linger in the suffering, but also not to be trapped there because 
you know, we have a, a, a savior, a risen savior. And so, um, yeah, it was just a good time with the church family. And then a super exciting thing that we did um, uh, for our church on Sunday is we had baptisms and I was able to baptize one of our young adults. And it was super exciting because this is someone who recently joined our church and has been coming to our young adult group and um, made the decision to follow Christ. And so, um, you know, it's been a few years since I've done a baptism. Um, you know, I think the last time was probably my last Sunday at the church in Wheaton. Um, and so it was just a joy to, to be able to do that again and participate in that again. Um, and I think because this was someone who not only have I walked with them, but our whole young adult group has walked with um, this individual. It, it was such a celebration for our, for our ministry and for our, our young adults to really see, um, yeah, the Lord doing what he has said he'll do in, in rescuing um, in saving the people that call on his name. And so it was, it was very exciting, uh, just a, a really wonderful celebration on Easter for us. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love Easter. Right. I mean, you know, as much as, as much as there's so much to do, um, and there's so much planning that goes into it. It's such a great, it's such a great opportunity for us to be just refreshed and renewed. So yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. Well, today our episode is part two of our interview with Ethan Chan, who is a staff worker with the Navigators. He is my brother as well. And so uh, I know the first episode, the first episode, the first part of this episode was really exciting. Uh, and I, I know the second part of this episode is also really good. So uh, for our listeners, enjoy this, enjoy this episode. We talked a bit about, uh, you know, Ethan, your perspective on raising, um, raising your boys, raising your sons. And um, I think one of the things that I was struck by as you were um, talking about those is that a lot of the principles you shared really are principles that one, that we apply not just for discipling um, children, but really to make disciples in in the church. And obviously that's because of your your heart and your calling to disciple people. And, and you're just applying those things to your children. Um, and, uh, but, but for me, one of the things that I'm really interested in is how does, you know, the fact that you are ethnically Chinese and a Chinese American, how does that impact the way that you, that you're parenting, right? This is a podcast about the, the Chinese Heritage Church or ministry in the Chinese Heritage Church. So, so we definitely want to, to kind of touch on that topic uh, as well. And so I'm curious, like, what are some of the things that you experienced growing up um, in a Chinese immigrant uh, household, uh, a Christian Chinese immigrant house, household that you see yourself doing now or replicating now in the way that you raise your own kids? Like, what are some of the things that maybe your parents were um, doing in raising you and and your brother um, that you see you you see yourself repeating to this generation, uh, to this next generation. Yeah. I think the biggest thing and the one thing I'd say is practicing hospitality. And it's something that I would, both our parents did a lot. Like we just had people in and out of our house all the time growing up. Um, you know, from, you know, about my dad's work, from friends from school, from people from church, it seems like we always had people in our house. And in hospitality, I really believe it's, it's so much about the heart of God. 
for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, having perfect love, having perfect unity, opening up their lives for us, that they brought us into their perfect love community. And that's what hospitality is. And so it's opening up our home, our life, our family to others so that, so that they can join in. Um, yeah, it's something that we just, I think, yeah, both Jalen and I, we just love it. And Jalen does it all the time. You know, he's been doing it for years. And I think as kids, we did that too in high school, uh, in college, just always having people in, in, in our home uh, because we wanted to just share our lives. That's, I mean, Paul says that in First Thessalonians. He's, you know, we just, we, we shared our lives with you as well. We were like a father and mother to you. And so I would say that's probably one of the key things that we really picked up uh, from our parents growing up in a, in a Chinese Christian household. And, and I think the other thing is just the familial aspect of calling everyone aunties and uncle. <laughs> I think it, it gives our kids uh, just a picture of a family and belong, like I, going back to that idea of belonging again that they belong to so much they, they have an identity that they can they can live out of as as followers of jesus you know yeah and i think you know i i definitely echo that that's as i was thinking about this question that was exactly the answer that i would have given as well just the hospitality component right and that's something that as you said it was it was uh it was a constant stream of people in our in and out of our home and even when, you know, when I was in college, if I had friends that didn't have a place to go for Thanksgiving or for Christmas, they were coming over to our house and, you know, mom or dad, they were both really good about putting them up, having space for them, making room at the table for them. And it goes back to Ethan, what you're talking about, just the whole sense of belonging that there is, uh, you know, being part of a larger family. Um, which is the family of God. And I think that is something that, that is super important. That's a, that's a, that's a cultural value, right. As, as Chinese people, but that's a kingdom value uh, first and foremost. And that's something that I think that we, that we ought to practice. That's something that, that I think that maybe probably comes a little bit more naturally for those of us who are Chinese or Chinese American, and we should take advantage of that, right. We should be we should be um, doing that. We should be welcoming people into the home just as, as Jesus welcomes us. And so that's a, that's a really wonderful part of, I think, our growing up and pointing us to what it means to belong to the family of God. So, yeah, I think just more maybe as we zoom out a little bit in talking about just Christian discipleship in general, what aspects of Chinese culture do you think help Christian discipleship? And then what aspects of Christian uh, Chinese culture hinder Christian discipleship? Yeah, I think similarly to what we've been talking about, I would say the idea of generation. Um, I think Chinese culture has such a strong emphasis on, on family, ancestry, and legacy. And it's a kingdom value of generations before and generations after. That's why in the Bible, we have these chronologies, you know, so many times that we just kind of gloss over, but they're so rich in, 
you know, for one of, one of the fun things that I do in, in with Somalis, they can um, talk back or speak back 10 generations of father's names. So their father, their grandfather, great-grandfather, 10 generations back. And so one of the ways that we shared with them the gospel was going through Matthew and looking at where Jesus came from. And they love that because they're just like, they see the legacy, they see all these different parts of it. And that's what discipleship is about. It's not just about, hey, this one individual, I'm discipling you, I'm pouring into you, I want you to become like Jesus. It's no, we want you to become imitators of us as we imitate Christ so that you can go on and continue on to disciple and pour your life into other people. It's a generational thing. Um, so that my hope and dream is like, we'd have, I'd have multiple generations. I'd, I, I hopefully be a great, great, great grandfather in spiritual generations. But then it's also an understanding of where we came from generationally. What's our, what's our spiritual heritage uh, understanding that spiritual heritage. And I think the Chinese culture, you know, has that strong emphasis um, and it's a kingdom value. It's, it's, it's spiritual generations. God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, and through you, all the nations, all the families on earth will be blessed. And so he's saying that the way the kingdom moves is through families is through these, this idea of spiritual generations. And so um, I think that's one of the aspects that I think really we can really build on, on what that looks like. What does that mean is how do we continue spiritual generations where we're at and not just the China, not just the values as Chinese people we have, but what are the kingdom values we want to pass on so that, our children and our children's children can pass those things on. And that goes back to Deuteronomy 6 again. Um, and what principles hinder? I would say just the idea of performance, um, this idea of perfection. And, and I know a lot of other cultures experiencing that too. But you guys know, like the recitals you do, the competition piano violin whatever it might be the math competitions like we've really fused kind of our performance oriented nature into our faith where our faith now has become so performance oriented so when we hear the words be like jesus or you know the end goal or is to be like christ we we strive for that that's something that we try to do on our own strength when it's we can't you know it's a it's a gift of grace it's a gift of faith um and i really really believe that's not that's not the end goal you know our end goal is to be one with christ our end goal is to be one with the father son and holy spirit and in being one we then become like christ so yes it is it is becoming like christ but i think so many times we have such a performance oriented mindset um so that in discipleship, discipleship can be this, okay, I got to memorize these verses or I got to understand this. It's knowledge-based, it's transactional-based uh, when, it, when it should be relational-based, when it should be understanding how do I become uh, more united with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, more united and one with my brothers and sisters. Um, and I think the other thing is, we, we kind of have the, how do you guys 
kind of define like hot hay, you know, being hot hay. Like being, being deferential. Yeah. Showing respect. And there's, there's almost a sense of social reciprocity of this kind of zero sum game with us, right? You do something for me, I have to do something for you. And it's kind of this going back and forth. I think what that instills is the inability to receive love. I think, and, and I'm speaking from my culture, you know, growing up as a, as a second gen, you know, parent, child of immigrants, is I think we have an inability to receive love. And that goes to the performance thing, that goes to our culture of, you know, you can't accept these things, you know, you're the one that always has to give, give, give. Um, and if we can't receive love, we can't be disciples. Because Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Therefore, go and love one another. But if we can't receive love, we can't give what we don't receive. And that's a challenge to how we are disciples of Jesus and how we disciple other people. Yeah, you know, Ethan, I, I love just hearing you talk about um, generations and about how Really, this is God's plan for passing faith on. The first plan, um, so to speak, uh, that God had to pass faith on from generation to generation was through families and through from parent to child. And, and that's really a beautiful picture. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, what are some ways that the Chinese Heritage Church can really come alongside parents as they seek to disciple their children, right? Because I think that's the role that, that, yeah. Jalen and I as pastors that we have is is not just for him to parent his own children and be an example of it, but to help the people in his congregation do that well as well, you know, also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of the things that we have for um, our Sabbath and our family time uh, with our kids is inviting our friends that follow Jesus into a time, into our family times to have them share their stories. We want our kids to hear the stories of their uncles and aunties and how God was real to them, how Jesus came into their life, made an impact, changed their lives. And so we just had one of our friends over and he kind of had like a four part series. He came four, you know, four weeks in a row because he had so much to share. And I think what this does, it, it once again goes back to creating a sense of belonging that man, all these aunties and uncles of my parents that follow Jesus, they have these stories that are real. You can't argue against someone's story. That's their story. That's their narrative. And all these narratives and all these stories, they have a, a common thread through it all. And that's Jesus. That's Christ that saves, Christ the Redeemer, Christ our friend, all these different pictures. And so I think that's a huge part of when we're talking about the church is, is bringing in people into the kids' lives, hearing their stories. And, and that's one thing we do is we have people come, they share their stories. We ask them, can you give us like a verse or a passage? And then the rest of that week, uh, every night with our kids, we talk about those stories. We talk about those stories. We talk about those verses and passages to help them see how it's real, how these verses come to life. It's not just hey, we want you to memorize this, but this is how Uncle John John used this verse in his life. Here's how Uncle Jalen used this verse in his life. Um, and I think it's a great way for the church as a whole 
to get involved with the next generation is to pass on their narratives, their stories. And then for the parents, I think it's to encourage them that kind of demystifying discipleship, that it's not knowledge. It's not about how much you know. Um, you know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, you guys have had countless guides in Christ, but not many fathers. And, and it's, it's about passing on love, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Every command is based on love. And so it's really helping our parents to understand the ways of love. How do we love our children? And it seems so simplistic, so trivial, um, but I think it, it has huge ramifications for how we disciple uh, the next generation. Yeah, that's, that's so awesome. You know, just recently we were talking about this very idea that, you know, you've been sharing about having your friends come and share parts of their story with your, with your boys. And uh, I, I'll tell you what, I, I'm super excited to come do that. I know we are still trying to figure out when's the right time for that since my trips yeah. home are few and far between. Um, but yeah, you, you can be sure that I will have a multi-part story for, yes. for your boys to hear and, and how God has worked in my own life because I want them I really, really want them, both of both of you guys, your children, to know Jesus and to know the deep love that he has for them, and especially for them to see it in my story. So you guys know I love yep. telling stories. Yep, yep. And that's the, that's the thing. Kids love hearing stories. So instead of, you know, having this kind of lesson planned out is, man, when they hear stories, they're locked in. And then the kids learn to ask questions, and they ask tons of questions about, oh, what happened? What happened there? And you know, they're able to engage with it and it's great. Yeah. You know, earlier, Ethan, you said that one of the, the challenges of being in the Chinese culture and maybe in Chinese heritage church, as it pertains to a hindrance in Christian discipleship is that, that performance driven, that pursuit of perfection. What other limitations do you think Chinese heritage churches should be aware of as they seek to disciple, as they seek to raise wholehearted followers of Christ? What are some other things that might be obstacles that we should be aware of? Yeah, I think um, we tend to be, as Chinese heritage cultures, a little too insular and siloed from other cultures. And... Um, man, there's so much to learn and to glean from other cultures and other believers from other backgrounds. Uh, I've learned a ton. I think my kids learn a ton when they have, you know, so-and-so from Afghanistan, so-and-so from Saudi Arabia, mm -hmm. from Iran, you know, and it's just, it just opens up the, the magnitude of who God is and the diversity that, that God created humanity to be. And so I think that's one of the limitations is, um, I wouldn't say the inability to cross cultures, but you know, we, we kind of have that challenge of how to, how to engage with other cultures and listen, you know, because we're so focused on, on what's going on and, and the cultural things that we have to nuance within our own churches. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask John actually the same question, because I think that there's a tendency in, in any church, but also especially in the Chinese Heritage Church to kind of silo off ministries, right? And then to make sort of like, you know, your experience, John, as a youth pastor, how did you guys kind of overcome this sense of being an isolated ministry of here's just our youth group? 
Uh, because obviously, as we're talking about generations, as we're talking about belonging and connection, we don't want our youth to be siloed off, right? We don't want our children's ministry to be just off, off to the side or a second class sort of ministry. We want it to be, this is the life of the church. This is part of part of this. How did you as a youth pastor, John, like connect youth to the family of God? I just want to affirm what Ethan just said about um, or, or has been saying about how the Chinese Heritage Church, one, I think one of our strengths is always going to be the, the familial nature of who we are, that this is so ingrained into our culture. And again, that's, that's really, um, I think that makes for young people understanding what it means to be a part of the family of Christ, an easy thing for them to grasp. Uh, I think one of the challenges or hindrances or, or things that we need to think about as a limitation is, is there's there's two things to that. One is um, when you think about discipling people who are not part of the church, who didn't grow up, like let's say when I was a youth pastor, we'd have a kid that comes with a friend. Um, it can take, it can be difficult for an outsider to feel like they're part of the family um, that, that oftentimes they can feel like if my parents don't come here or if my family doesn't come here, do I have a place in this church? And so churches, I think, especially Chinese heritage churches, need to be mindful of what's kind of the backlash of having this very family-oriented, familial um, way of doing life together because it, it can sometimes forget or leave behind those who don't fit into, into kind of what feels normal in, in the Chinese heritage church. And you can really take that in a lot of different directions, both for those who maybe, uh, maybe don't have families or those who are not Chinese or those who um, they come as young people and their parents don't go to the church for, for whatever reason. So I think that's one of the challenges. Um, another one that I, I, I was thinking of is, you know, we love using the, you know, the Suk Suk and Yi Yi or auntie and uncle, um, honorifics with the people that we care about. You know, I still will, you know, refer to your mom or your parents um, with those honorifics. And, and I don't think that's something that will ever change, even though we're, we are not kids anymore. We're not young people anymore. Um, because it's that sense of family that we grew up with. We grew up together. We've known each other for such a long time, not just as friends, but our families have known each other for such a long time. But I think one of the challenges that churches definitely need to think about is when you get beyond raising children and now teenagers are becoming adults, they're becoming college students and young people, the, the honorific is great for people that we know really well, because we'll always have that familial connection, but it can also sometimes uh, hold back young people from really stepping into adulthood, especially within the context of the church, that they they may, are made to feel like they are not full adults yet, um, you know? And so I would always encourage like our young people, our young adults, like, hey, it's, there's no problem with you using these, these terms with the adults in our church. I know that you've known them for a long time. I know that you love them, they love you. And so this is a, this is a, a greeting of love, but let's not use those from like the pulpit. Let's not use those in official church emails Let's not refer to this elder as uncle so-and-so or this pastor, you know, or, or whatever. Um, this person with, with those titles from a maybe more quote-unquote official standpoint, because then it reinforces this idea that young people that are becoming adults are just 
you know, they're still children or they're not taken seriously. So I, I don't know, maybe I went off a little bit too much on my soapbox as a former youth pastor. Um, but I do think that is something that if we're not careful, that that can become a major hindrance to a lifelong discipleship, not just discipling kids or discipling youth, but we really want people to walk with Jesus for a lifetime. And part of that is learning to be an adult that follows Jesus, learning to be an, an adult as a part of the Chinese Heritage Church. Or I think the CHC will always lose that generation, right? Once people, young people go from teenagers, teenagers to adulthood, they're going to feel like there's no place for me here because I'm still being treated like a teenager. But okay, I'm done with the soapbox now. Well, yeah, I would pick up on that and just say that for us as leaders now to give our young people those opportunities to serve, to feel like there's ownership uh, and, and to, to take, you know, those, those leadership positions and make those available. And so I think just as much as we'd want to see that from maybe our older, you know, first gen congregations, we, we need to be aware of that as we're developing our own kids and our youth. Um, so I would, I would definitely echo that, John. You know, so as we wrap up our podcast, we always love to end it with the same question, which is what is just one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone, you know, currently serving in the Chinese Heritage Church? Yeah. I would say just to continue to explore the love that God has for you. I think that's just God is love. So love is God. Love is eternal. Love is everlasting. Love is continuing to grow. And there's so many ways that God wants to express his love for you. And in turn, we can love well. Um, I love one of my favorite kind of verses is John 13, one, where Jesus knows that he's going to the father and he says, I've loved my own and I've loved them to the end. And so that kind of phrase I would leave with everyone is as they disciple is knowing how much they're loved and to love those God has given them to love them to the end. Yeah. Good word. Well, we're thankful for your time. Thankful that we can yeah. hang out. I know I'm going to see you more in the coming <laughs> days here, but uh, yeah. well, thanks for hanging out with us, Ethan. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. Yep. Good to see you.